You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Inside the Man Box. I am Rick Fry. Well, I'm really excited about my guest today. I've interviewed him before, maybe twice. Yeah, I can't remember if I think this it's is my twice. third time. Yeah. yeah. Steve Eden, thank you for coming, brother. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, pastor of Grace Church in Choctaw. Choctaw, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Big Metroplex. <laughs> <laughs> Just about 10 miles east of Oklahoma City is where that's located. Yeah. Well, been there. Yep, been there a few times, haven't you? Cooked hot dogs there. Yeah, Fourth of July outreach. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yep. awesome. Um, today's topic is Steve's new book. I read this book twice. Okay, first time I read through it. Second time, I started marking it up and basically did a book report. Oh, awesome! Yeah, when I got finished with my notes, I go, I just did a book report. I hate book reports. <laughs> how, you're like, Lord, how did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just going to jump jump right into it. Okay, do it. The first paragraph talks about lifting the veil. Mm-hmm. Um, explain what you mean by lifting the veil. All right. Well, I'm not, and I'm not sure the the book is. I can't remember if you mentioned it, but the book is the oh, true nature of God. I didn't. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. It's uh, the most recent one. But it's interesting you mentioned lifting the veil because that's the one I kind of sat with this morning. My whole goal and purpose in writing the book was simply to uh, my intrinsic belief conviction that God desires to take away the veil that has blinded I believe not just Christ followers but unbelievers too um, people throughout the world from seeing uh, God as he really is and now as he chose himself in full disclosure to be known mm-hmm. and uh, to be to reveal himself, and I believe that uh, Jesus Christ is God's perfect and personal revelation of Himself. And so, one of the things I talk about early on is uh, I don't care how theological, educated somebody is, don't take man's word for who God is. Amen. Get God's word Amen. on who He says He is. And he's revealed himself, like I said, perfectly and personally in Jesus Christ. There's so many scriptures that verify this. Colossians 1.15 in the Amplified says that Christ is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God. He's the visible representation of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Then Colossians 2.9 says, for in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. John 14, 9, Jesus himself says, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Question mark. He who has seen me has seen the Father. John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. Jesus said that. <laughs> and then in John 12, 45, he who sees me sees him who sent me. Yeah. So I don't think there's uh, much of a case that could be made otherwise other than not only the uh, validity of Scripture, but Jesus Christ himself disclosing that one of his assignments is to reveal the true nature of God. And, Rick, you and I have been in ministry a long time. Mm -hmm. There are so many um, opinions. It's not that people don't have opinions about who God is. They just have the wrong opinion of who he is (laughs) because they're basing it on uh, their experiences, even even maybe stuff they were taught in church, certainly what the world has told us uh, in the insurance world. They call it an act of God when there's a tornado or whatever. I mean, there's just this uh, this vibe throughout the planet that God's the one sending tornadoes through the Midwest and right. drowning people in New Orleans with uh, hurricanes. And Jesus would argue. He argued that point, and I'm on the side of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so those catastrophes are not God's judgment. Right, right. And one of the things that, that prompted this stirring in my heart many years ago, go back to 1995, I'm uh, on staff at a church in Oklahoma City as the outreach pastor, and when the Murrah building was bombed by mm-hmm. Timothy McVeigh and all those poor people were killed, uh, women, children, it was a terrible ordeal. There were people on Christian radio 
in Oklahoma City saying that that was God's judgment. He was judging us because we hadn't prayed enough. We weren't acting right and all that. And I knew, uh, I didn't know then what I know now as far as all the scripture to support it and so forth, but I knew Jesus enough to to know that that's not the heart of God to go blow up women and children because somebody else isn't praying. That doesn't make any sense, even to my natural mind. Uh, So uh, anyway, just things like that. You know, God gets credit for all these things, and all I'm inviting people to do in this book is hear God's argument that he has revealed himself perfectly and personally in his son Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that Jesus Christ is the exact nature of God, that he uh, came on assignment to reveal that. And and I was going to say this earlier, because you and I know that even in churches, a lot of times God gets a bad rap. So this question needed to be answered. If you read the Old Testament, you'll see uh, cities destroyed, angels, you know, wiping out people. Yes. And so we're seeing this in the Bible. So it's very important that we're able to rightly uh, divide how in the old covenant it reveals God's nature towards sin. He's not a big fan. Why? Because sin kills human beings. It hurts his kids. He's not a fan of sin. But in the New Testament, the new covenant through Jesus Christ, we see God's nature revealed towards the sinner. And that's to save and not destroy. Right. And that was such a huge uh, bone of contention the Pharisees and religious people had with Jesus because he's hanging out with them, loving them, restoring them, redeeming them. And I think that's a big purpose of the book is that if you can see God, this this is so important because it affects how you relate to him, uh, who you think he is. But if you can see that he means well, that he means to make us well, that he's trustable, approachable, lovable, it'll change how you relate to him. And Rick, how important is that? Because it's a law of life that who we believe he is, how we think God is towards us is how we are towards humanity man you're shooting through my questions (laughs) good let me give you this quote this is so powerful what a great quote i said the other day and i put it on facebook if you if your reading of scripture is not increasing your love for humanity you're not reading it with the author think about that That statement awesome if that you're an awesome statement, you're reading all that scripture. If it's not increasing your love for humanity, you're reading it wrong. <laughs> it, it seems to me, Steve, that the modern church has done the same thing with the Bible that the Pharisees did with the law. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. And so if, if their interpretation of how, what they read in scripture doesn't line up with what we say, then we are the ones who are wrong. Right. Yeah. Their interpretation of Scripture uh-huh. doesn't line up with what we're saying or doing, then we're the ones who's who are wrong. That's right. Yeah. And I, I was going to say this in my, in my opening, and uh, I, I forgot that this little book, what, 100? 100 pages. 100 yeah. pages, to me, read like an epistle. Huh. This is like a letter or a book you could send to the church. Yeah, amen. To the church of thank Oklahoma you. City or whatever. Yeah, thank you. And it is, it's easy to read. Right. And, but there's a depth to it that causes you to say, Holy Spirit, help me understand what he's saying. Yeah, amen. Yep. Amen. So, the, I really encourage people to get this book, and we'll talk about where they can get okay. it later. Yep. Um, you almost you did this, but um, explain the sun is the radiance of glory and the exact representation of his being, the radiance of God. Yeah, it's just uh, taken from Scripture yeah. that Jesus is this unveiling. That's Hebrews one, right? Hebrews one yeah. verse three. Yeah. yeah, that's what you said. And yeah. again, that I don't have to argue the point. God has argued the point. If people want to argue about who he's who he is at his core i don't have to argue it god's argued the point he made the point through scripture and certainly through the manifestation of his word walking around jesus is the word made flesh he's the very spirit and life and uh, expression of god walking around he didn't put cancer on anybody rick he didn't uh punish people he didn't i mean my goodness we don't even if you got a one-year-old i ask grace churchers this all the time 
remember when your one-year-old was learning to walk, right? And, and he fell down several times. And remember how you threw him out in the yard and said <laughs> said he was dysfunctional? <laughs> this dis- one's defective. You're a disappointment to Yeah, me. you're a disappointment. <laughs> you're defective. God, send me another one because he keeps falling down. <laughs> if we don't do that, I'm telling you, God, our Father, we're begotten of him. We're born of the Spirit. We're not just signed off on that, okay, well, I wanted to really kill the people on the earth, but I decided not to. We are begotten. What manner of love is God lavished on us that we should be called his children? And so uh, God's not discarding us, disowning us. How about this one, aborting us, that he would abort us because uh, we're inconvenient or we did something wrong. The same people who preach hell hot that abortion is a sin mm-hmm. will turn around and tell God's people that he'll abort them if they sin, if they do something that's inconvenient or, or wrong to him. And uh, that's just not how he revealed himself to be. I see Jesus Christ, the one who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, not if you've seen 10 cities destroyed, not if you've seen Moses. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This guy is helping sinners. Women caught in adultery, uh, that's John 8. Luke 7, the uh, well-known sinner who was at the Pharisee's house who cried on his feet and wiped, you know, and washed his feet with her hair. Mm -hmm. She was a well-known sinner, and yet he uses her as an example and says, do you see this woman? You know, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, but that's why she loves much. And he looks at the Pharisee and says, he who thinks he's forgiven little loves little. (laughs) but rick let's be honest how many of us can say yeah i hadn't been forgiven that much oh my gosh you you better get a reality check (laughs) anything not from faith is sin so i mean every time we do something that's not congruent with faith and trust and who he is and all that is you know a misstep sin is not behavior Mm -hmm. sin is is unbelief it is romans 14 23 you are quoting it it makes sense because galatians 5 6 says faith expresses itself through love even if you look at the 10 commandments those 10 are just outlining things that are not from love (laughs) uh things that are not from faith so if i steal from you i'm obviously not loving you thou Mm -hmm. shall not steal but i'm also not i don't have faith in god if i'm taking your stuff because I should be trusting him that as a good father, he's going to provide for me. So I don't need to steal your stuff. Chapter two. Okay. God in human form. Yeah. Love that. I love it. God in human form. Why make it a personal revelation? <laughs> uh, and I love the story of the, the, the kids in Sunday school class. Who's Jesus? And the little girl said yes. he's the best photo God ever took of himself. <laughs> wow. What a great statement, what a great right? great statement, yes. Uh, but, yeah, um, I think in the personal revelation, listen, John 1.18, no man has ever seen God at any time, but the only unique son, the only begotten God. See, Jesus is God. That's yes. why they killed him. Yeah. Uh, or tried and, to. Yeah, tried to. And he made himself out to be God. He didn't yeah. argue with him. Yeah. When people would fall down and worship him and be like, man, I don't deserve you. You're God. You're amazing. He didn't say, don't say that. I'm just a man. He didn't say that. He is God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. But uh, the bosom, the God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him to us. He's revealed God to us, brought him out where he can be seen. This is amplified and interpreted him. He has made him known. So from the intimate presence of the Father, Jesus reveals the heart of the Father. And I love that he didn't come as his omnipotence, omniscience, his omnipresence. He came as his heart. Why? Because God didn't want to win our affections and, and loyalty through his, you know, his awesomeness, his intimidation, uh, obey me or else. He wanted to win us through how much he loved us, which is why Christ from the bosom of the Father comes and reveals who God really is. Mm-hmm. And that I mean, God could have sent his omnipotence. He could have sent... I mean, he did send his power, but you know what I'm saying. I know what you're yeah. saying. I talked to a guy yesterday, did a podcast with a guy yesterday. We were, He was talking about how important it is for men to be leaders. Yeah. And yes, it is important, mm-hmm. but what people typically don't do when they say, man, you need to be a leader, is define what that looks like. Yeah. And so we think about Christ as a leader. Greatest leader the world's ever seen. Ever seen. And mm-hmm. how did he lead? By serving. By serving. By supplying. Yep. 
Not demanding. Not demanding. <laughs> it's funny. I just shared that with a guy yesterday. Another book I had written uh, called Origins is Genesis 1 through 3 and how Jesus came to restore our leadership role in the earth. Well, I talk about in one of those chapters leader traits of, uh, of Jesus Christ who came to serve and not to be served. And, man, there's just so much in the way of leadership we can learn from him. It's interesting that you brought that up. On chapter 2, I love this statement, uh, why would God show himself to you in a human body and not just in a book? Because you're not a book. <laughs> and books aren't personal. I love that, yes. Uh, books don't look back. How do you have a relationship with a book? But you can have a, a relationship with a person who loves you so much he would die in your stead. Mm -hmm. He would come as you, meaning he comes and puts on this earth suit, and then gives his life for us. Uh, also, words on a page are not a perfect revelation of God because they're widely subject to our own interpretations. If God writes in a book, Rick, love your neighbor, with no personal re revelation or example of what love is, then Rick's left to his best interpretation and experience of love, which won't be godly love at all. <laughs> right? That would tell us more about you yeah. than it would tell us about God. But if he gave us a personal revelation of himself in an earth suit, walking around, we see how he relates to sinners. We know how God feels about sinners. We saw him in Christ. We know the right way to treat sinners. We saw him in Christ. How does he feel about adulterers? We saw that. How does he feel about murders? We saw that. So we saw love in human form, right. not just written to us in a book. That's the problem, like you said earlier, when people get upset and uh, their interpretation of Scripture is not lining up with what we're doing or saying. Uh, well, that's the problem is your interpretation of Scripture. Think about this. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. Your interpretation of the Bible, not so much. Not so perfect. But Jesus Christ is perfect theology. And so, uh, like I was saying earlier, I think it's super important that when we're reading Scripture, we got to be sitting with the author. we got to let his heart, his spirit uh, interpret it for us because the law of the letter kills. We've seen it. Mm -hmm. But the spirit gives life to the letter. I love the Scriptures. I love, you know, the written word of God. But, man, uh, as I got to know Jesus and the true heart of God, it came alive to me. I think that's why it was so important for Jesus to say, I am sending you a teacher. Yeah, because <laughs> we needed some help. <laughs> we need somebody to teach us what, uh, yeah. what Scripture is saying to us. And so true. Therefore, it's not left to up to us to interpret it, but it's up to us to listen. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Again, it would tell us more about ourselves, even if he said purity. Rick, go live a pure life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's going to tell me a lot more about Rick than it is about him. Yeah. But if he reveals himself in purity, in human form, in a, in a loving way, and then he takes that spirit and puts that spirit inside of Rick, well, now we can get an expression. See, you can't be like God without God, and you can't be holy without his holiness in you. It's not going to happen. It ain't happening. And here's a real, you know, zinger for people that, and some, you know, people that struggle with being a Pharisee is that God wouldn't be living in you right now if he hadn't eradicated your sin issue. That's how exactly. final the sin issue is settled. He's in He's in you, yes. and he's in me. Now, that doesn't that doesn't mean... Uh, that he doesn't coach us up in treating our spouse better and loving them with his love. You know, like I said, uh, that's so true. He does coach us in that. But uh, we are fully accepted in the beloved, Rick, period. That scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, verse, what is that, 4, I think, or maybe 6, that we are accepted in the beloved, period. Yeah, period. We're accepted. Is that Ephesians 1? Yeah, Ephesians yeah. 1. I love, like, verse yeah. 3 through 6. But I think it's verse 6 where he stops on that. Uh, and people balk at that, even the flesh. Good church people, good-hearted people would be like, oh, yeah, but my behavior. And I say to them, but you're not your behavior. It doesn't define you. Yeah, does your behavior need improvement in some areas? Does your heart need improvement in some areas? Sure, we can all grow. We're, we're all being conformed to the image of God's Son. You know, that's the journey that we're on. But he's working that work in us through our participation, man. And to think about this, Rick, and I think you guys are good at it at oneness. I really do. That uh, 
when people really understand they're they're accepted in the beloved, and that means not only from God, but I'm accepted by you, mm-hmm. just the way I am. Mm-hmm. Steve is accepted, uh, not perfect after the flesh, but yes, in my spirit I am. People are much more prone to share their struggles because they know they're accepted. They're yeah. they're they're working on things from a place of acceptance, not for acceptance not fearing rejection all that's put to bed through Ephesians chapter 1 if you're if you're behaving for acceptance that makes me the judge yeah that's right and i am not <laughs> and man you want to talk about a vicious cycle i put on facebook this morning as long as you need the acceptance and approval of man mm-hmm. you are susceptible to the rejection of man the yes. judgment of man the i mean he's going to clean your clock whatever his opinions are mm-hmm. so you got to find your full acceptance in christ and the truth of the gospel is rick we have it mm-hmm. as new creations i am fully accepted and we'll go back to how we started this little segment is that uh, he wouldn't be living in me right now if i wasn't fully accepted and he hadn't eradicated my sin issue where he was concerned i think this next paragraph and it's still in chapter two jesus didn't come to restore our relationships with god or to reduce god's introduce reintroduce god's kingdom to us or just help the hurting or just to destroy the works of the devil or just to heal the sick or just just to teach and teach us and make disciples he came to show us the true nature of god yeah Wow. <laughs> that makes you want to say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> and then I, then I talk about let's believe it. Let's receive it. Approach God boldly, knowing he not only means well, he means to make us well. Stop letting your assessment of who God is keep you blinded to the truth. And then separated, parentheses, in your mind. As a born-again child of God, we are not separate from him. But, boy, sin tells us that. Other people may tell us that. But Romans 8 says there's nothing that can separate you anymore from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Stop judging yourself unworthy of what he's done in his love for you. Accept his offer. Believe him. Receive him. Live the reality of it. <laughs> I love that Jesus tells Pilate in John 18, 36 through 38, that he came to bear witness of the truth. He came to, basically what that means is I, I, I'm giving evidence pilot of truth of an unseen realm an unseen god even the human heart is unseen but these are very real you you can't see them but they're very real and i'm giving evidence and bearing witness to those realities uh of spirit and of truth and we don't we don't determine the truth no we discover it we discover it. truth was here before we got here it'll be here after we're gone that's the point of why make it a personal revelation because God reveals to us the truth. We don't discover it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly not without his help. Not without his help. First Corinthians 2 says, no one knows the things of God but the Spirit of God. That's right. And so he's got to show it to us. And it he makes it personal. Yeah, he does. He teaches us, like you were saying. He gave us this teacher. He gave us this helper, this comforter. Yeah, I love... Uh, Right in that segment of the book you're talking about, Jesus Christ is God understandable. He's God recognizable. Best of all, Jesus is God approachable, trustable, lovable. This means he can have my heart and my allegiance without hesitation and without reservation. That's what Jesus came to do is move, move that veil, you know, take away all that demonic fear, tormenting fear. I know there's a a fear of God, a, a reverence for him. Uh, in awe of, of his awesomeness. But Jesus came to take down that veil of fear and separation and say, hey, uh, I'm God understandable, I'm God recognizable, and I'm God approachable. And there's nothing in any of that that makes it conditional. Right. It just is. It just it's is. It's the truth. Yeah. That's why, that's why I love that. We don't determine the truth. We get to see it and then uh, dance with it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Chapter three. Okay. The works themselves. Talk to us about that. Yeah. John 14, verse seven through 11, after Jesus makes the famous statement that, um, you know, he who's seen me has uh, seen the father. He also adds in here, if you really know me, this is verse seven, you'll know my father from now on, you know him and have seen him. (laughs) This is incredible. Uh, then it says, why do you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father, the Father's in me? And then he says, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. 
Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is saying the works that he's doing, if you can't see the true nature of the Father just in my character, look at the things that I'm doing because it's the Father who's doing them all. <laughs> my goodness. And he's not killing he's not any killing being, anybody anybody he's healing everybody <laughs> he's loving sinners he's restoring mankind to himself so here's just a few works that i that i listed yes, go through that i think are proof of what jesus is saying revealing the heart of god jesus healed lepers by touching them he could have just thrown some healing dust over the <laughs> leper wall <laughs> right is there any of that left I don't know. Does. We need to get some. <laughs> if you're listening, if you send us your love gift of five hundred dollars, we'll, we'll send you some healing. We'll dust. We'll send you some healing <laughs> dust that Jesus sprinkled over the leper face. <laughs> uh, we laugh, but that stuff happens. It does. Tragic. Yes. Anyway, so he heals lepers by touching them. What's he doing? He's revealing the heart of God for the hurting, touching people that weren't allowed to be touched. He's telling the the boys there in. Uh, John chapter 14, hey, if you can't see him in my demeanor, my attitude, look at the works that are happening through me because it's the Father doing them. I'm revealing to you the heart of God through the works. Luke 7, 15, Jesus interrupts a funeral, raises the young man from the dead, and then hands him back to his already widowed mother, takes the boy goes over and hands the boy back to his mother. I love that. That's awesome. I mean, he could have said, hey, you know, I'm pretty amazing, Mom. Uh, your son's over there. Go pick him up. <laughs> but, no, he uh, he picks him up and hands He delivered hands him. Yeah, he delivered the boy wow. back to his widowed mom. Yeah. Matthew 14, he feeds uh, over 5,000 people. The disciples wanted to send all those people away, but the father's heart was to bless them. Uh, and then the prodigal son, Wow. Yeah. Jesus reveals our Father's unrelenting love. It's a picture of his true heart to heal and restore us. The Father's the one who takes off running in the story. Uh, he didn't require his wayward son to clean himself up and live right, and then I'll give you a hug and I'll bring you back, but you got to get yourself straightened out. The, the Father's hug came before the bath. You mean he didn't send him to treatment? <laughs> <laughs> nope, he sure didn't. Think of this statement, Rick. The father's hug came before the bath. Yeah. The father's hug came before the bath. So whoever's listening today, you got to understand, uh, the hug, the love of the father is present right there for you. Whatever your condition is, he's going to love, love you there, and then the bath will come yeah. as you oh, walk with him. Wow. I know, it's an incredible principle. Incredible. So anyway, all these good works Jesus does in cooperation with his Father reveal the heart of God, and clearly God then is thoughtful. Uh, he's loving. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's redemptive through all these uh, works of Christ. And I put, I put this question, I presented it, if we as Christians would rather see sinners destroyed than saved and healed, well, are we truly in line with the heart and the will of God? I would say no, because Jesus Christ is the perfect personal revelation God gave of himself. And uh, we see him as gracious and wanting to save the sinners. There's a story I, uh, in Luke 9, 51 through 56, that's in this book where uh, the disciples, I think it's James and John, wanted to call down fire and kill all the Samaritans because <laughs> they wouldn't <laughs> let Jesus preach in their town. How dare they? Can we call down fire like Elijah did? And we're going to use biblical precedents, right? I mean, right. that's what people do. Mm -hmm. Let me use the Old Testament here. Jesus rebukes them yes. and severely censors them and says, uh, you don't know of what spirit you are. I didn't come to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. Wow. Now think about that, Rick. That is the Father on display through himself, because this is God the Son, who's the exact likeness of God the Father, we're, we're seeing his, his real heart towards sinners. And my goodness, man, again, if your reading of Scripture is not increasing your love for humanity, you're not reading it with the author. You you are out in left field somewhere. Yeah. So Because, once again, you become a judge. Yeah. And we like to judge. We do. <laughs> the flesh, the pride of life likes to do that. But somebody, I had a good brother say the other day, he posed this question to a group of men. 
that I'm, I'm walking with in uh, discipleship, and he said, how is it that your discovery that I need Jesus somehow has destroyed our relationship? Think about that. How is it that your discovery that I'm not perfect, that I need Jesus just like you do, I have flaws, how's that severed our relationship? And you know the answer? We like to judge, we like to the, judge. the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, it's sad, 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 sad. I have expectations for how you ought to behave. That's right. That's right. I need you to behave a certain way yeah. so I can be happy. So I can be <laughs> so I can feel good about you and me. Oh man, listen. So there's a segment in this book. It's funny you brought that up. That Jesus oh, well, it's the next page. Oh. <laughs> We're, it's the next page in chapter three, the works Jesus didn't do. Unlike the thief of John 10, 10, Jesus didn't kill. Jesus didn't steal. Jesus didn't destroy. He didn't put sickness on people. He didn't oppress people like the devil does. We would look at Jesus differently if he began afflicting people with cancer or diabetes because they didn't pray long enough. It's incomprehensible to think Jesus would ever say to Peter, Peter, because you couldn't watch and pray one hour in the garden with me, I decided to make your mother-in-law sick again. <laughs> That fever is, come on back, Peter. No, Jesus never released sickness on people. He rebuked sickness off of people. Why? He didn't need them, Rick, to perform in a certain way to fulfill him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Please, if you're in the body of Christ, please listen to what we're saying right here. We cannot go around creating debt in in uh, our mind towards other people based on their behavior because they're not living in a way that somehow fulfills us. If you need people to perform to make you happy and fulfilled, you're not loving them, you're using them. Easy. And number two, you are not living out of the fullness of the divine nature of God. We have the very nature of God living in us, right? The mystery of the gospel is Christ in you. So Jesus didn't need to create debt towards people obligation. He didn't need them to live a certain way, to live out of the fullness. He was just always on, always full of love, always full of the Father's nature. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Uh, this is a major eyesore in the body of Christ that yeah. we, we live, and Mike Daniel says it very well, it's the lie of lack. Like somehow I'm lacking something, and Rick, if you don't perform adequately, I'm somehow incomplete. Well, that just proves that Christ is not your vine. He's not your source. Somehow you laid that on somebody else, and you need to repent yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, the last, last note I have for Chapter 3 is that we are his reflections now. Yeah. We are his reflections now. Yeah. Now, whether you believe that or not doesn't make it not true. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You don't have personal truth. There's just God's truth. God's truth. Uh -huh. And so Jesus is loving by nature. Jesus forgiving by nature. Jesus kind by nature. Not because he could, so he could get something from people he was helping. Uh, could you imagine him healing somebody so he, his ego could get a boost? I mean, it just doesn't even make sense. Uh, but we now are the current body of Jesus Christ. Yes. What we read about in this book is the first body of Christ. Mm -hmm. But that same spirit that raised him from the dead is now in us. 2 Peter 1.4 says we're partakers of his divine nature. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says whoever's joined the Lord is one spirit with him. So we can be a reflection of this life of fullness. Psalm 23.1, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't lack for anything. What's the shepherd do? He provides, he guides, he protects the sheep. And so that's how we become a reflection. And this is important because Jesus said in John 14 that the world, lost people, couldn't receive the Spirit of God because they couldn't see him. And that makes sense. So they're, they're locked into the natural realm. That's why he's telling Pilate, hey, my kingdom is not from the natural world or else you could, you could understand what I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. It's a spiritual kingdom. It lives in the unseen realm. And so when we bear witness to truth, the Spirit of God, which is unseen, in the unseen part of a human being. You may not see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. Yes. So that's what Jesus is telling Pilate. You can't see the Spirit. You can't see my kingdom at work, but you can see the evidence of it through human beings. So when the world is able to see, hey, Rick and Steve, they don't fall apart when natural things don't go their way. Mm -hmm. 
clearly we're giving evidence to them. It's seen in their world of another reality, of a greater reality that's coming from an unseen God in the unseen realm. Uh, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so we become yes. reflections and give evidence like the first body of Christ. We're giving evidence of truth, that's of the, truth. That's the same example that he gave to Nicodemus. That's right. The wind blows, and Nicodemus says, how can this be? Right. How can I be born again? Yeah. And Jesus says, you're making this about you. Yeah, right. It's not about you. It's, it's about, about what you. God's doing, and you can't see it. You can't see it. All you can do is receive it. And he said, don't marvel that I said you had to be born again, because that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. And then he said, the wind blows where it wishes. You don't. You don't uh, know where it's going. You can't see where it's coming from. So it is with those born of the Spirit. Yes. So the activity of the Spirit is unseen, but it's given evidence through our, our earth suit, mm -hmm. through uh, how we treat people, what we speak, you know, words of life and not death. And that's what Jesus gave such great evidence uh, to. Awesome. Amen. Um. You got to look at chapter four. Chapter four. It changes everything. Changes everything. So in this chapter, we're just looking at how uh, a revelation of who God really is affects our everyday life. Well, I already mentioned it affects how you relate to God. If you see God as your heavenly Father, who carries you when you're struggling, you know that's you're going to relate to Him one way. But if He's the Godfather, like you know mob boss type, that'll break your bones. If you cross him, <laughs> how do you have intimacy with a guy you think is going to kill you or give your wife cancer because you watched pornography last night? Yeah. How do you have a relationship and intimacy with a God like that? So we got to move from the Godfather mindset who would blow up the Murrah building if people in Oklahoma City aren't praying enough or <laughs> praying right. we got to move from there to our Heavenly Father. We move out of fear, out of intimidation, out of separation and distance. And uh, now we, we're in faith, there's trust, there's closeness, there's love, there's reliance, there's dependence. That's what God wanted when he made us. So the question becomes, what do you want me to do mm -hmm. as opposed to what do I got to do? Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. What would you like me to do? Because, Lord, I want to live in the way you designed me for. That's right. Uh, versus, By the way, every what time, do I have to do? Yeah. By the way, every time I've prayed that, I said, God, just tell me what you want me to do. He always says, okay, here's what you got to do. Yeah. I want you to trust me. <laughs> John 6, right? 27 through 29. They asked Jesus, what do we got to do to work the works of God? And he said, believe me. Believe on me. Trust believe, me. Trust me. Walk with me. Yep. Yeah, I love that. Yep. So it affects your praise. It affects your level of faith and trust. It affects how you relate to others. It affects how you pray for the sick. It no. affects how you believe who you are. Yeah. Now hold on. I got. We got to stop on number four. How you relate to others. God's rarely going to be different through you than you think He is to you. So if you see Him <laughs> as judge and jury, you're going to be judge and jury to those around you. And uh, they asked this college girl who is a, who is an atheist. They said, uh, you know, I know you don't believe in God, but if you if you believe there was a God, what what would you want Him to be like? Listen to what she said. Well, he would be kind, truthful, compassionate, gracious. He would heal people for no cost. He would love us even when we fail. He would pick us up when we fall. So she got no theological background. She just perfectly described the ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes, she did. Yeah. But uh, in, this, in this one, when Hurricane Katrina flooded New Orleans, many Christians ran into the city to help in any way they could. You know, they were driving rescue boats and helping the herding and food and water and all that. But do you think they would have gone in to New Orleans if they had really believed God was the one drowning everybody? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It changes how you relate to people. Yep. If you think he's the one, you know, giving your neighbor cancer, well, don't go over there and pray for him. You're opposing the will of God. Here's God putting cancer on this guy, and you're over there asking God to heal him. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, stop that. <laughs> but if you believe... Well, is that... And that's what you mean by it affects how you pray for the sick? It because, affects how you pray for the sick. Because yeah. if you believe God made them sick... Then why would you why go would pray, you pray for, for them? Right. And if you believe God's the one that sent a typhoon into India, why on earth would you go into India and help anybody? Mm -hmm. Just... Isn't that powerful? Just a powerful, powerful thought. 
But Jesus never sent typhoons. Jesus never sent earthquakes. Jesus never uh, put cancer on people. Um, you know, and it's interesting. There's one. I give one example because uh, he tells the guy, I think at the pool of Bethesda, go and sin no more lest something worse come upon you. Oh, yeah. But he's not saying God's putting it on. He's saying sin is the cause. Sin is the cause of sin, sickness, and disease. No, sin is the cause of sickness and disease and death, and the wages of sin is death. So doesn't that make sense? It I does. mean, certainly ill uh, health is is can lead to death. So I don't think he's telling the guy, yeah, don't do it again, or God will seek you out and put something else on you. We'd all be sick, Rick. We'd all dead. we'd all be in trouble. We'd all be dead, honestly. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, not only that, if 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 God's putting sickness on people for their sin, and let's say it's uh, he he's lame now, well, God's being light on sin because the wages of sin is death. Wow, it doesn't say point. the wages of sin is make him lame, lose his job, lose his wife. Now, those might be byproducts of what sin does. Mm -hmm. Sin can cost you your wife or your marriage. Um, but it's not God, and that's why I think Jesus said that. Go and sin no more, lest something worse through sin you know, come upon you. You know, you mentioned a while ago that about pornography. Yeah. And, you know, God's not going to judge you because you're watching. There are men and I've, I've, I've counseled men with pornography issues, and there are men who have lost their jobs, mm -hmm. men who have lost their families, and right. because of this, and the question is always, why is God doing this to me? Oh, wow, yeah. And God had nothing to do with it. I you're know, the you're, one who chose right, to look at it. That's right. <laughs> you're looking right at it and saying, God had nothing to do with it, man. Yep. God's trying to help you. God's yeah. trying to heal you. God's He's on your side, man. Isn't that wild, Rick? Yeah. And I, I think that's why early on in the book I put that, that there are so many things that have led us astray um, while, while most would think Christians have a bright and sunny, unclouded view of who God is. Mm -hmm. Many don't because we define him by our rationale, our intellect, our feelings, our experiences, our skewed views of God the world gave us, or even definitions we learned in church. Yes, church, instead of defining God the way Scripture says by looking at Jesus Christ. I've, I've got a guy at church, and he's one of the ones that when I taught on this uh, last year, I had three people come up and say, please write your next book on this. I've never heard anything like this. This is so needed. But uh, this guy, now that the book is out, he just buys them up and gives them. He's giving them to his family him. members. He's you should, yeah, you should do, you should buy this book to give away. I think Rick that this revelation is the sister revelation to the true you. You know about the true you mm -hmm. book. Oneness knows about it. Um, the true you was such a breakthrough that talks about our new identity in Christ and basically how God sees us as His kids. Our spirit man has been born again and made new. And so the true you, that's the one we can't keep on the shelf. I get it. I think this revelation that God is Christ-like, mm -hmm. who is he at his core, at the heart of his nature, is the sister revelation. There's there, So in other words, the truth about who God is, the truth about who we are, we start walking in those, we'll make a difference. We really will. It'll change how we relate to God and how we relate to humanity. I, I want to get to chapter five. Okay. And um, I don't, you know, I don't want to end up reading a book for people. I want them to buy it and read it themselves. <laughs> right. But chapter five is called The Pattern Son. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that. Well, if our hearts weren't exploding enough with joy, knowing that Jesus came revealing who God our Father is, he also came revealing how every human being was designed to live. Amen. So here Jesus says in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, well, I believe that statement applies to our relationship with the Father and you know how we get connected to him through Christ. It's equally true that Jesus is the way you and I are designed to live. He's the truth about us. He's the life to be expressed through our mortal bodies. And that's why I call him uh, the pattern son. Uh, we're all predestined, Romans 8, 29, to be conformed to the image of God's son. Mm -hmm. I love Matthew 22. Uh, this is a great principle when uh, they're out fishing. They were trying to catch Jesus. You know, they were always trying to trick him, which is a bad idea. And, <laughs> and so uh, 
they're arguing to him about his allegiance to Caesar or, or, or to God. You know, you, you say you got a kingdom. Who's really your king? And um, so he says, show me the money. Bring me the, the money, you know, the coin. The coin, And yeah. then he says this, whose image? Interesting, whose image is on the coin? They said Caesar. He said, well, whatever's got Caesar's image on it should be given back to Caesar. But whatever has God's image on it must be rendered back to God. <laughs> so what I see in this chapter is there's a law at work in our members, Rick, that we are made by God, and a lot of people believe that. But Colossians 1.16 says we're also made for God. And so how Jesus is in character, how he is in attitude, how he is in nature, well, that's how you and I are designed to be. He is the pattern son. You say that. It's important to understand that your body and mine are made for Christ. Yeah. They thrive in his character, attitude, and code of conduct. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Have you ever seen somebody get born again? You know, they receive Christ. They Mm -hmm. pray that prayer. It's genuine. He comes in them to live. You ever see him walk away from that kicking rocks like, man, this is the worst decision I've ever made. <laughs> no. no. And they come into the office, they're glowing. It's like, man, what has happened to you? I've I spent all weekend with the Lord. He's been talking to me. They're radiant. Why? Because their inner chamber is made for him. Uh, he is our homecoming. He is not our estrangement. He is our native land. And so uh, that's kind of what this chapter talks about. When we walk in love, not hate, goodwill, not ill will, it's health to us. He, he's not, every, every, uh, every principle he taught and he walked in is life-giving and health-producing for human beings. Yes. Forgiveness is healthy. Yes. What's the, what's the contrast to that? Well, you could choose ill will, but the first half of that word is ill. Yeah. You're going to get sick if you hang out in bitterness and resentment and all that ugliness you know, the enemy tricks us because he, he tells us that while we think in holding a grudge, we're harming the other person, the deepest harm is to ourselves. Right. Why? Because we're made to look like Jesus. He's the pattern son. He's the way we're designed to live. <laughs> and, boy, religion has done such a disservice uh, where, you know, it's, it's rules, it's regulations, it's all that. No, it's a life to be expressed. Jesus came to give us life that could be expressed from within us. And then as we participate with it, it's health-giving and life-producing. Amen. Yeah. yeah. The last quote I have is, Jesus isn't just a signpost pointing the way. Uh, yeah. He is the way. He is the way we were to, are to live. Yeah, I put down word, but I think it's yeah. R. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, if selfless and sacrificial love brought joy to the Creator and... Uh, it says in Hebrews that, but for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. If that brings, that type of love brought joy to him, I'm quite sure it brings joy to his image-bearing creation. Um, I like on page 66, in Jesus Christ, God was attempting to show us more than just himself. He was showing us how all of us were designed to live. Amen. What if he gave What if God gave Jesus not just so we'd love Jesus, that's what I mean by religion, but also so we'd love like Jesus, be via the same life-giving, indwelling spirit and connection with the Father. We cannot say we believe in him and then not follow him as the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't come so we would preach how much he loved people. He came so we would love people just like he did. That doesn't mean we do that in our own effort. Let's nope. go back. You know, I can't be like God without God, but that's the beauty of the cross. Yep. The cross is only half the gospel. The other half is that that uh, full payment for humanity's sin allowed the Spirit of God to return to its initial dwelling place Amen. inside the human heart. Yep. Now I've got the Spirit of God. I've got the, the heart of God, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. He said, I'm going to clean you, and I'm going to put my Spirit in you. Now we could be an expression I don't remember a true expression of God because it's God expressing himself through us. I don't remember if it's in this book, but Ezekiel 36, starting about verse 20, it's so funny because God is is telling, he's prophesying here that uh, mankind has not represented him very well. It's not going well, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is in this book. Okay, yeah, yeah, because it's basically like, uh, you've dragged my name through the mud for all these years, so here's what I'm going to (laughs) do. You're supposed to be my people, but you don't look like me at all. (laughs) He he said, I'm going to clean you. 
And then I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. And he says, I'm going to cause from within you that you're going to walk in my ways. Uh, you're going to be my expression and return glory to his name. But he would have to do it. And it makes sense because we can't be like God apart from God. That connects the dots for when Jesus in, in, Roma, in uh, John 17, he says, I will give them the glory which you have given That's me. That's right. Verse 22. Yeah. Yep. That's right. And that glory is his manifest presence. It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, his expression. But it's also, if you look that word up in the Strongs and stuff, it's also the view and the perspective of God. Think about that. That's so much of what we're talking about is grabbing a hold of God's view of humanity, God's view of me, God's view of uh, truth, scripture, all those things. The glory of God is his view and opinion. And, you know, I like to say it because it's in the True You book, but if your view of you doesn't match God's view of you, then you're wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and he has a lot of good things to say about you. So he says you're righteous. He says you're accepted in the beloved. He says you're loved unconditionally. If your view of you is none of those things, you're wrong because you don't have personal truth. You might have feelings. You might have emotions. You might have experiences. But those are not the parent reality. The parent reality that we all originated from is spirit and truth. Amen. And that in that realm, Steve Eden is accepted in the beloved. He is loved unconditionally by God. He is right with God through no work of himself, through mere consent. I consented to the work of Christ in me. Amen. Amen. Man. Hallelujah. Our time is up. Wow. Well, that was good fun. <laughs> and you have to take your mother to the doctor. Uh, yes, I do. She has an appointment. <laughs> so, Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. This was awesome. It was everything I prayed for and hoped it would be. Buy this book. Where can they get it? Amazon.com. Just search Steve Eden, or you can put in Steve Eden, True Nature of God. They can get any of my seven books on Amazon.com. Yep. And we have some, and you probably have some at your church. Yeah, Grace Church in Choctaw or here at Oneness up in Edmond. They can get them. Yep. Thank you guys for listening. Um, as always, I enjoy doing this, and I just, this has just been great. See you next time. <laughs>